Saul on the road to Damascus, or whatever that city was he was going to. I'm so blind, I can't think. Um, grab your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Uh, I'm going to begin tonight a little short two-part series. may go to three, but probably just two parts. And uh, just kind of where I've been and uh, what I feel like God is saying. And I want to share it with you. All right. If you're in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, would you say amen? 1 Timothy 4, 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. I want you to note a couple of things here. Take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. Skipping down. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Take heed to yourself. What is Paul saying right here? He's, he's writing to Timothy. And he's saying, examine yourself. Will, you're going to have to turn that down just a little bit, man. I can't even open my eyes. Not so much these right here, but that one. It's all, just turn them all down then just a little bit if you can. That felt like it got brighter. It might be my imagination. I can't stop looking at it. <laughs> That's better. Thank you. Can y'all see me okay? I'm seeing bright lights everywhere. I don't see anybody's face right now. <laughs> All right. Paul said, take heed to yourself. Examine yourself. Depending on the version you're reading, he says, be careful to watch yourself. Watch out for yourself. The Amplified Version says, uh, watch out for yourself, your personality, your life, and for your doctrine. So he's referring to two things here. He's saying, check yourself out and make sure you check out your doctrine. I want to specifically talk about this first part here. Check yourself out. Where are you? Ask yourself this question how are you doing? How am I doing? Am I okay? Am I on track? When my kids were younger, um, they went to the doctor a lot, as I'm sure uh, probably your kids did as well. Uh, I, as far as I'm concerned, they went a lot more than was necessary. I think it's just part of the whole racket to get my money. I just do. Because now you don't even just take them when you're, they're sick. You take them for a well check, Right? What the heck is a well check? Everything is well. It's just you need my $150. Because I can't find a place to spend it. Let me just donate it to you. To tell me my kid's okay and I already knew that. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to get off the soapbox now. Here's the point. We go to the doctor. We bring our kids to the doctor. Both when they're sick and they're not sick. We get, have the doctor uh, check them out. Uh, they... they Go through their vital signs. We want to see if something's wrong. We want to see if they're healthy, if they're growing at the appropriate rate. Uh, are, they, are they too short for their age? Are they too tall for their age? Are they too skinny for their age? Are they too big for their age? Uh, my son and my nephew are worlds apart. 
My son is off the charts for his weight in, in his age group, in his height. My nephew is off the charts the other way and not weighing enough. So we've got two meals going on. Randy's, you know, not a lot of calories and Peyton is pumping him the calories like all at the same time. It's, it's quite hard to feed them both at the same time. But you go into the doctor and they're checking. They check your weight. They check your temperature. They check your uh, height. They check your, all these things. I mean, you've been to the doctor. They get check your vitals, right? And what they're doing is asking the question, how are you doing physically? Are you okay? What's wrong? You're feeling sick. What is the matter? Do you have a temperature? Uh, do you have an infection? Do you have a virus? Do you have a bacteria? They take blood work and they do all these things and they want to know how you're doing. I believe it's the same question that, that Paul is saying to Timothy right here. You don't need to go to the doctor, but you knew, do need to take heed to yourself. How are you doing? Have you stopped and examined your own life lately? Have you, maybe you're not sick. Maybe you just need to do a well check on your own life. Well, maybe you are sick and you don't even know it. But if you would stop and examine yourself for just a moment, you would recognize that there are areas in your life that are not healthy, but we need to get them healthy. But we don't know because we don't want to stop and take a look because self-examination is the hardest thing that we do. Well, we can, it don't take that long to point out everybody else's issues, but look at myself. Are you kidding? I am perfect. Right? Now, you can look at your kids, you can look at your spouse, you can look at your boss, and you can go right down the list. They, you, they, you just, they even act like they're going to ask you if there's anything they're doing wrong, and you can, you can put them in order. First, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, how, where do you want me to stop? Top 10? Top 20? How far do you want me to go? But look at ourselves, and we don't like to do that. Because it's difficult, it's painful, and we know the truth about ourselves. We just often don't want to admit it. Am I right? So, Paul says... Check yourself out. In this service today, I I want you to ask this question. And as we go through the next week or so, I want you to begin to ask yourself this question. How am I doing? How are my vitals? We're going to go through some of the vital signs of our life uh, and talk about how they relate. And how our vital signs that the doctor uh, relates to how our our vital signs in our life and, and how they're working. Are you okay? Am I doing okay? Am I on track? Am I doing things right? Um, I, I want you to measure some things. I want you to take note of some things. I want you to watch. I want you to, to really examine. Flip over to Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. This is the reason why, or one of the reasons why this is so important. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Uh, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. Oh, nobody was claiming that phone. <laughs> He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. Daniel is having a vision here. I mean, interpreting a vision, and he's talking about the, the attacks of the enemy. I want you to look right here where he says, shall persecute the saints of the Most High. A flip over, Will, if you have that in the American Standard Version, and, and let me show you the most accurate or, or, or more accurate, tra- accurate translation of persecute. Watch here. And shall wear out 
the saints of the Most High. One of the attacks of the enemy, the attacks of the Antichrist, what is the Antichrist? The spirit that is against Christ or the people of Christ. One of the attacks and plans of the enemy is literally to wear you out. That's all he wants to do is wear you out. The, the inference here in the Hebrew as is it's water dripping on a rock. You make it a day, you make it a year, you make it two years, but somewhere down the line, the water wins. Think about this. Jesus said, uh, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The enemy knows that he can't always come at you straight on and win a battle. He knows that. He knows you've been praying. He knows you've been believing. He knows that you know the scripture. He knows that you got the blood of Jesus covering you and protecting you. He knows all these things. So what does he do? He just wants to wear you out. Just, just water on a rock. Day after day after day. You ever heard of the term water torture? Where they just drip water on your forehead? At first, it's just water dripping on your forehead, but eventually, it's torture. It is a means of torture, and this is what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to wear us out, and so what we have to do is we have to stop and check our vitals to say, hey, where is the enemy just trying to wear me out, and I don't even realize it? What's going on that I don't even know? I got to look around me and see are there places in my life where the devil is coming at me, where where the Antichrist is trying to wear me out, and I haven't even realized it yet, and maybe I should stop because if I recognize it, then I can do something about it. But if I keep a blind eye turned towards it, he'll eventually win. Where are you? How happy are you with your life? Think about it. It's just me and you sitting in your living room. How happy are you with your life? Where is your contentment level? You see, there's a balance between finding contentment with where we are and yet pushing and pressing towards where God wants us to go. There is a balance. Is there a place in your life when enough is enough? And I don't mean like enough is enough, I've had it, like you told your kids last week. But I'm talking about is there a place when enough is enough? You make enough money. You live in a nice enough home. Your husband is, does treat you well enough. Your job is good. Is there a place? Now, I want you to strive for all that God wants you to have you to be. But if we get so discontent in our life that we, we never get to the place where we're happy because we're always pushing. And, and we never enjoy the season that we're in. Where are you at on the scale? Where are you at on the happiness scale? Where are you at on the joy scale? Where are you at on the peace scale? Do you just never seem to have peace in your life? Just, just, it, it's, you wake up in a bad mood. Nobody did it to you. Nobody, nobody said anything to you. You just wake up in a bad mood. You go to bed in a bad mood. You, your boss says good morning and you're mad at him for something. He didn't do anything yet. He might. Where are you at? How are you doing? Do you sleep well? Do you sleep well? Or are you restless when you sleep? Do you toss and you turn? Do you, do you have nightmares? Do you, do, you, do you stress over things when you're sleeping? Um, how is your family doing? Where are you? Let's take a look at a couple of vital signs tonight. And then we'll take a look at a few more next week. 
first off, the first, one of the first vital signs that they want to check when you go to the doctor is they want to check your heart rate. How many beats per minute? Uh, they're checking how many times in the, in the course of one minute your heart beats. This is a very important test. I know it just takes them a moment and it seems like nothing to you and I, but if yours has ever been irregular and you see that reaction on your doctor's face, you suddenly realize how important your heartbeat is, your heart rate is. Is it beating too fast or is it beating too slow? When you were a baby, uh, uh, infants and newborns, their heart rate is between 130 and 150. It's basically healthy. As you grow a little older, you become a toddler, it drops to 100 to 120. Uh, as a child, when you're a child, it's 60 to 100. When you're a teenager, it's 80 to 100. When you're an adult, it's, it's 50, to, uh, 50 to 80. Now, this is a resting heart rate. This is not when you're exercising, uh, like Pastor Lindsay talked about it a moment ago. Just a resting heart rate, 50 to 80, is what my research tells me is about where you should be. So it changes as you go through life. So here's the principle. The life vital sign that we're checking is... Uh, how fast are you living your life? At what rate of speed are, are you going? Are you racing? Is, is everything you do, your, your heart is racing, your life is racing, you're just pumping and going as fast as you can? When, when Paul said, uh, I, I, I have, I've run my race, you take that literally and you everything you do is a rat race. It's just as fast as you can go, as hard as you can go every single day of your life. I've got to go, I've got to go, I've got to go. Paul said, I've got to run my race, so I'm going to run my race. And, and it just n- never take a moment to breathe. And, and you're, you're, you're always racing in your life. Or are you going too slow? You spend your life at the rest stop. And everybody else is cruising down the highway. And, and you're chilling in the convenience store trying to find what, what kind of Skittles you want to buy. Are you going too fast or are you going too slow? In life, to be healthy, we've got to find the right pace. The right pace. Um, if you're going too fast, you can outpace your environment. You can outrun your environment, your, your opportunities. God's trying to send you opportunities, but you don't get in line with his timing. So you're just racing, just racing and saying, God, you better catch up. And God's going to say, wait a second, whose plan are we on here? I thought I was in charge. No, no, God, you told me to race. So I'm running as fast as I can every day, all day long. It's just, I'm going, going, going. God's like, wait, will you chill out just a little bit? So what happens is uh, we burn out. You know, a sprinter can only run so far at a, at a, at a dead run. Right, the guys that are running the one mile and the two mile and the and the marathons, they get a pace and they work that pace. Sprinters are only they're only made to run hundred yards or two hundred yards or four hundred yards, so they can run a lot faster in that amount of time. But listen, I'm not running a sprint here. I'm running a marathon in my life, and I want to finish as strong as I start. Now, there is a time when you pick up the pace and a time when you slow the pace. But listen, I want to finish strong in my life. Paul said, I finished my race. I didn't run the first three legs and, and, and fall apart, but I finished my race. You, you watched the Olympics this summer. Hopefully most of you did, or I'm sure most of you did, or some of you did. And you, you always see in, in, in every event, the people that they start out fast and they're right towards the front and they're like, man, it's going to be an upset. But then here come those people that have paced themselves properly. And the people that started out with a bang, they're way at the back. Are you, are you living your life like that? 
just too fast, out of, out of sync with the opportunities of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Hebrews 11, verse 13. This is the, the faith chapter. Watch what he says. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, uh, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What is he talking about? He's saying there is a point in your life when you can complete the will of God, but still be waiting on the promises or the benefits. That doesn't mean you're, you're, you've done something wrong. That just means it's okay to, to complete the will of God and take a break every now and then. Breathe. The promises are coming. You, you know, what, what? if we're not careful, we kick the door of opportunity open. God's working behind the door. You know it's the door of opportunity. God knows it's the door of opportunity, but he wasn't ready to open it yet. He's fighting a giant behind the door. He would open it, but he's busy fighting. So we kick it open, and God says, well, you know what? You want to fight him so bad, have at it. (laughs) So now we're fighting a giant, and we're saying, God, why am I facing this? And God's saying, well, I was trying to take care of it, but you kicked the door open. I figured you wanted it bad enough. Come get you some. Staying in line with the opportunities. Don't rush. We want to move. We, we want to be moving. We want to be pressing on. We want to be living our life in a forward motion. But we don't want to be running so fast that we outrun what God is trying to do in us. But then on the other hand, you can go too slow and life is just passing you by. You know some people like this. You're like, what are you doing? You're just like floating like a, like a little girl through a pasture of daisies. Just, just floating around through life, this job, that job, no career, no plan, no school, no, no family, no just, you know, this church and that church and maybe I'll serve here. No, I didn't. I'm just going to flip over here now and one week in the nursery. That was no good. One week as an usher. No, I didn't like that either. One week as a greeter. No, I don't like to talking to people, people are mean, so one week over here, and you're just floating through life, is there, are you going anywhere? No, just moving too slow. Slow drivers wear me out. I don't don't know about you. I don't really speed. I've got a great driving record. Uh, uh, God's given me favor. I've gotten a few tickets in my life. I paid the bill on those and decided I don't like tickets very much. So I pretty much stay. I'm going to, now I'm going to push it. You know, if the speed limit's 70, I'm going to be going like 72. <laughs> I'm like, right? Um, but, but I'm not going to be going like 90. That's not how I drive, okay? But at the same time, if, if, if we're driving down I-10 and the speed limit's 70 and you're going 58, it wears me out. You know what I'm talking about? Just like, dude, I, I really believe they're the people that cause the accidents. Not the people that are going too fast. It's people that are going too slow. You cause the problems. It's you. <laughs> uh, uh, the people that, that stop right as they're getting onto the entry ramp. What are you doing? seriously, you're supposed to be getting up to the same speed as the people on the highway and, and you're going like 12. What are you doing? Are you going too slow in life? Have you slowed down to the point where everything is stopping? You know, uh, what is one of those laws of physics that says uh, a thing in motion uh, stays in motion, 
right? I, I know when, I, when I'm playing baseball, when I'm teaching my little girls about baseball, when they're standing up to field a ball or to hit a ball, I don't want them locked down perfectly still. I want them actually moving because once you're in motion, it's easier to stay in motion. If you're in motion when the ball's hit to you, it's easier to move. But do we get so stuck in life at times that we can't go anywhere? We need to pick up the pace a little bit. Do you feel like you're living behind times? Do you feel like the world has left you and you're still here? Are you still stuck in 88? And listen, it's the 21st century. Just going to let you know in case you didn't get the memo, in case you missed like Y2K and all that, and you thought that reverted us back to the 70s and we got to do that again. No, it is 2012, just, just, just to make sure, just, I want, just in case that you haven't seen a calendar lately. You know, when the, when, if you've ever seen, uh, you know, when they race animals or, or greyhounds or, or rabbits, things like this, they keep, they dangle the carrot or, or they put the rabbit out in front of the dogs to make them run. They, they, they don't want to let it get so far ahead of them that they can't see it. Then they lose their motivation, right? We got to have motivation. Uh, God said of David, or, or David said this of God, actually. He said, God, you chose me while I was following the ewes. What is a ewe? A ewe is a pregnant sheep. It's a pregnant lamb, okay? So normally, the sheep will follow a shepherd. The shepherd takes off walking, whatever pace he chooses, the sheep follow. Sheep want to follow someone or something. So the shepherd would set the pace and he would strike out across the pasture or down by the river or wherever he was going, he would strike out and set the pace. If he went up a hill and he, and he went fast, the sheep would work as hard as they could to go fast. If he went slow, they would slow down and they would go slow as well. They, they are made to follow. It's in their nature to follow. But in the springtime... The sheep, are the, the, they're pregnant, and, they, and they're about to have all these babies. Some of them may have already had these babies. And what wise shepherds know is, if you strike out and lead at too fast of a pace, the, they will do whatever it takes to keep up because it's in their nature. But in the process, they will miscarry the baby that's inside of them. Now you've killed your own prophets. You've killed your own reproduction. You've killed your own ability to produce a prophet for whoever owns that flock of sheep. So, so here's what a wise shepherd would do. In that season, a wise shepherd says, no, I'm going to move to the back of the flock. And I'm going to allow the pregnant ewes in the front to set the pace. So God saw something in David. David had this unique ability to be able to lead when it was time to lead. And step back and follow when it was time to follow. He could stay on pace. Because David wouldn't mess up the thing that was producing. This is one of the reasons why God knew he could trust David. He could trust David with the Ark of the Covenant. Because he would stay on pace with God. He would allow what God was trying to produce in the kingdom of Israel to happen. He would allow something else to lead when it was time for something else to lead. But as a good shepherd would, when it was time, he would step out and take the lead. In the right season, David would lead. In the, in the, in the other seasons, he would allow someone else to lead. He would allow God to lead. He would allow something else to drive them. Because David had this thing figured out. He wasn't just out to get the job done as quickly as possible so that he could get back to playing his harp or playing with his, with, with his slingshot. 
Remember, David was just a boy. I don't know about you, but when I give my daughter or son a chore to do, they rarely are thinking about the best, doing the best job possible for the sake of the family. All they want to do is get it done so they can go back to playing, right? You've got teenagers, they're mostly the same way. It's a season of life that they're in. Hopefully they'll grow out of it. Uh, David was a teenager. He's out caring for his father's flock. Most teenagers would have just been like, just get there as fast. Come on, hurry, hurry. Y'all are taking too long. I, I got to go practice my slingshot. I got to go practice writing my songs. I got I to get to my music. I got to get back to my iPod. I, I got to get back to my video games. But no, no, no. David said, I'm going to allow this thing to work. Even though they're not really my sheep. They're my father's sheep. Even though I should just be maybe trying to get the job done. He went with the flow of the season. Notice that your healthy range changes as you go through life. It starts high, then it lowers. Then as a teenager, it goes back up. We might call that hormones. And, and then it goes back down. Uh, as you go through the season of your life, your pace will need to change in order to stay healthy. It just does. And that's okay. But make sure you're in the healthy range for the season that you're in. The pace of my life right now is very, very fast. It's very fast. Two services on Sunday, growth track Sunday night. Uh, Monday had to go to Jasper. Monday night had softball practice with my daughter. Worked all day Tuesday. Left here at 6 o'clock. Had softball games last night. Got home at 10.30. Got, came here this morning. Worked all day. Studied. Here with you tonight. Get home tonight. Get the kids showered and cleaned. And, you know, they, they need to shower at least once a week. And, and we'll get them back in bed. And get up in the morning. Do the same thing. Got Kennedy softball practice uh, Thursday night. Friday morning. Same deal. Uh, Saturday, softball tournament with Kennedy all day. And back here on Sunday two services and the whole deal I live a frantic pace right now it's the season I'm in I'm okay with it when, a, when an infant has a heart rate of 145 no big deal but if, if you or I are sitting here at a resting uh, heart rate it is 145 something's not right change with the seasons it's okay Second thing, second thing I want you to, or that they check, is they check your respiratory rate. How many breaths are you taking in a minute? As an adult, they, they say you should be taking somewhere between 12 and 20 breaths per minute. But it's not so much about exactly how many you're taking, but it's the, it's the question of are you removing the carbon dioxide from your body and are you replacing it with clean oxygen? That's really what we're looking for. If you can't get enough oxygen in or carbon dioxide out, you won't live. You'll pass out and you go to sleep and you won't make it. Because if you're not taking enough in and you're not getting enough of the carbon dioxide out, you won't, you won't make it, right? When I think about the breath of my body and the breath of my life, I think about the breath of God, the wind of His Spirit, His anointing. A fresh, uh, supernatural energy that comes from God. I, I need the breath of God in my life. I need the wind of the Spirit. I need His anointing to, to do and to be what God has purposed me for. I need Him to breathe on me. 
I need him to breathe in me. And I need to get rid of some of the old stuff. I need to get rid of yesterday's touch. And, and I need to get a freshness in me. A fresh wind. A fresh blowing. A fresh touch from God. I need that. And you know what? You do too. When you start to study the book of Leviticus, you, they, they tell us how that the, the priests have to go in every day and they clean out the old fire, they clean out the old ashes, and they put a new sacrifice on every day. And the principle is you can't live on yesterday's sacrifice. You can't live on yesterday's fire, but you have to sacrifice and get a touch daily. And I just believe that I need a fresh touch of God in my life all the time. I may not can get it every single day, but as often as I can get it, I am looking for that fresh wind of the Spirit to blow in my life. I just am. That's, that's one of the reasons why I love coming to church on Sunday and I love coming to church on Wednesday. Because I just believe that when I come, He's going to breathe on me. And I'm going to breathe in the wind of the Spirit, the oxygen that comes straight from heaven. And I'm going to breathe out the junk, the old, the stuff that's killing me. And breathe it out. I need fresh supernatural energy. Four ways I'm going to give you really quickly uh, to increase the spirit level in your life. Increase that level of oxygen that comes from the Holy Spirit. You want to know? Four ways. I'm sure there are others. I'm going to give you four. Number one is information, or as we call it in the church world, relevate revelation. Not revelation. Revelation, information or revelation. Uh, it's been said that most every problem we face in our lives comes from a lack of understanding. Don't understand how we got here. Don't know what happened. What'd you do? I don't know. What happened? I'm not sure. You ever pulled up on a car accident before and, you, and you, somebody's getting out of the car and you say, Are you okay? I don't know. What happened? I don't know. We don't know. We get to places in our life, we show up, there's a collision, there's a car wreck, we're out of sync, we're out of whack, we don't even know what happened. Don't know how we got here, don't know how to get out, don't know how to fix it, don't know how, we just don't know what to do. We need more knowledge, we need more revelation. There's a solution to every single problem, we just need to find it. We got to have revelation knowledge. Uh, um, study the Word of God. I'm telling you, it's pretty much in here. Um, for those that have read it cover to cover, those that have lived it for a few years, you'll know. It's pretty much all in here. You just got to find it. You just got to find it and get some knowledge, get some revelation in, in, from there into your life. Breathe that in and breathe out. And, and I'm telling you, it, if you apply it to your life, it will affect and increase the spirit level in your life. Get more information. Get more revelation in you. The second one, and I know you're going to find this crazy, but I'm going to prove it to you in the Word of God, is rest. You need more, uh, an increase of the Spirit of God in your life? Maybe you need some rest. I'm going to prove it to you. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. Elijah has just been on Mount Carmel. He has just slaughtered the prophets of Baal. It has been a huge victory for the kingdom of God. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. I'm out of gas. Now, Lord, take my life 
for I am no better than my father's. I can't do it anymore. Take me out. He's praying for God to take him. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, now watch this. Watch God's solution. He don't know, how, he don't know what's going on. He's messed up. He's out there. He's just trying to figure this whole thing out. Here's God's solution. He slept under a broom tree, and suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. So watch what's happening. He's sleeping. An angel touches him and says, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and watch what he does. He goes to sleep again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So what does he do? He arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Let's keep reading now. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I'm not going to finish reading it. You probably know the story. He goes into the cave and he goes out. And there's the thundering and the earthquake. And he wasn't in that. And then he was in the... In the uh, you remember all the story? He wasn't in the fire. wasn't in the... Th- okay. But watch what happens. Elijah is ready to die. He has given up. He's... He was at the highest high. He had all of God. I mean, he had the prophets of Baal running for their life, literally. But now he's not feeling it. Now he's feeling dry and worn out and beat up. He doesn't have that freshness anymore. Coming off his highest high, one of the biggest victories in the word of God, now he's at his lowest low, and he's given all that he has, and he's out of gas. He has no energy. He has no oxygen. He has no life. He's saying, Lord, please take me. Here's God's solution. Before he ever started speaking to him, God never said, I'm I'm not in the earthquake. I'm not in the fire. He never said any of that until he first caused him to rest. Go to sleep. He goes to sleep. All right, now wake up and eat. He eats and he drinks and he says, go back to sleep now. He goes back to sleep. He says, okay, you slept long enough. Wake up, wake up, eat and sleep. And from that, the Bible says that he was strengthened on that food, on that rest for 40 days and night. And then he received from God. Listen, if you're in a place where you feel like you're not receiving from God, ask yourself, am I just burnt out and worn out and need some rest? I, I I, I might get here from God, but I am so worn out. I'm so stressed out. I'm so beaten down. It doesn't even have to be that everything in your life is terrible. He's coming off the highest victory, but just life wears us out, and we need rest. This was God's plan. This wasn't Elijah's plan. Elijah was, his plan was to die. God said, no, 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 that's not the solution. The solution is rest. I know that sounds very simple and and very non-biblical. But the truth is, God set us up in a way that he knew we would need rest. Take it. Take a day off and sleep in one day. I was going on one of my first long fasts. I was a youth pastor. And I was going on one of my first long fasts. But I'm I'm an office guy. 
I work hard. Um, I'm a, I'm, I need to know that at the end of the day, at the end of the week, I got something done. Like I'm a checklist guy. Um, I, I want to make sure that I'm accomplishing something. So I'm on this fast day after day after day, and I'm getting worn out. I'm getting low. I'm getting, if you've ever been on a long fast, like your days tend to get shorter because you sleep later and go to, and go to bed earlier because you just, your body can't take it. It's part of the process. You're not putting enough energy in. But w- one of the things that my father said to me was because I was so tired and I was trying to push through and, and accomplish more than I ever did, and now I'm fasting. I don't have anything in my body. And he said, son... Because I was just like, Dad, I can't even hear from God. I'm fasting. I'm not hearing anything. And he said, son, you need to rest. And I kid you not. He said, I want you to go tomorrow, and I don't want you to do anything in the office. Don't even come in the office. I just want you to go to the youth building. Go to your youth building. Um, at this was, we were in Needleton. He said, all I want you to do all day long is rest, wake up, pray. Spend a little time with God. You get tired and need a nap, lay right there on the altar and go to sleep. When you wake up, pray a little bit more. And I, that was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. From a guy who's saying, like, I've got to earn my paycheck, right? I've got to get something done. I've got, I got thousands of kids that need to know the message of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to be sleeping and praying on the altar. What good is that going to do? But I'm going to tell you what. When I got through with that day, I felt so strengthened. I was ready to go out. and I had heard from God. He had breathed life into me again. It was wisdom for me at that moment. The third one is relationships, relationships. I've talked to you before uh, 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 how most every new opportunity in our life comes through a relationship. But it's not just about opportunities, it's about impartations that come through relationships. Some relationships come into your life and they don't bring you a new opportunity, but they prepare you for an opportunity that God is sending you. Last year, um, last summer or so, uh, God, or, or actually a little before that, but in the, in the context of 2011, God sent uh, a, a pastoral couple into Lindsay and I's life. Uh, Pastors Brett and Giselle Jones from Grace Church in Humble, right there on, on Bellway 8 and 59, if you're ever there, over there. Amazing pastors. He is one of my heroes in the faith, in the body of Christ, speaks into my life, calls me, prays for me, texts me, spends time listening to me. He's an amazing man. But one of the things is God sent him in my life for a purpose. Their, their church went from very small to exploded, what we would say overnight, but in a matter of a few short years, they were one of the fastest growing churches in the nation for, for, a, for a period of several years there. Amazing what God did. Uh, and he challenged me in that season to lead this church and, and, and ask this question, what would you do if your church doubled overnight? In the process of that, we began to make some changes, subtle things. Maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't. But from the beginning of 2011 till Easter of 2012, what you may or may not realize is our church literally doubled. Doubled. It wasn't that he gave me three keys to how to grow your church. That wasn't it. But the impartation of him saying the right things and preparing me, God sent him into my life at the right moment to prepare me for what God was happening in the, and what God was getting ready to do. Does that make sense? Now, here's the deal. I have an amazing father and pastor. You know that. He didn't tell me anything that my dad hasn't said to me before. But in that moment, in that season, it was the right relationship, the right impartation for what God was doing. 
we receive impartation through new relationships. God breathes into us through people. Uh, I'm running out of time here. The fourth is spiritual pursuit. This is fasting and praying and listening. Fasting and praying and listening. Uh, and, and understanding the seasons. We're in a season right now where I believe God is moving and he's wanting to do things. I believe this fall is going to be a great time for you. Great time for me and a great time for this church. God does different things in different seasons. At times, it's a season of growth and God is all about growing. At times, God is working on his people. And he's just moving and he's touching. And at times it's a season of miracles and his God is doing miracles. He's, he can do whatever he wants. I'm good with that. But I'm understanding that right now is a season where we're just experiencing the presence of God. I'm even enjoying the presence of God on a weekly basis. Man, it's just really good. Um, in understanding those seasons and capitalizing on them, when his presence is strong, get in there, dive in. Don't, don't miss when he's doing something to pour into you. Don't, don't miss. That wouldn't be the time to miss. Um, this fall, we're going to be doing some great things. We're going to be celebrating our anniversary on September the 23rd. Uh, We're going to be combining both services into one. So we'll only have one 1030 service. The reason we're doing that is because we're going to be having, we've done simulcast, as you guys know, from one campus to the other campus. What we're going to be doing uh, on this anniversary, what we're planning to do, God willing, is we're going to have live look-ins from every campus to every other campus. Uh, it's going to be really cool. So you're going to get to see the, the, the breadth of, of what is happening in Triumph Church as a whole all in one Sunday. It's going to be a really great day. We're going to, I'm going to be shooting from out on the, on the foundation. Uh, Pastor Dane will be in the new cafe in Nederland. Mom will be from the new building. Some of you have never seen the building in Sugarland. You're going to get kind of a look at it. It's going to be really, really good. Um, so we're going to be celebrating that day. We're all going to come together. It's going to be a great time. Pastor uh, Bishop is going to be preaching a word about this fall and what our, our senior leadership is feeling about God wanting to do um, in, in this fall, in this season. A couple other things that we're going to do is on October the 3rd and November the 7th, um, that's the first Wednesday night of October and the first Wednesday night of November, we're going to be having uh, what we're calling shift, a night of worship. On Wednesday night, we're coming in here, and we're just going to worship God. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. Uh, we're going to have a time of ministry, and we're just going to seek God. Just an extended period of seeking God. We can't always get tons of time on Sunday like maybe we want or even Wednesday, but we're going to choose some times to say, Lord, we want to experience your presence. We want to capitalize and understand the moment in the season that you're in, God, and we don't want to miss a thing. So on, on those nights, I want you to mark your calendars, October the 3rd and November the 7th, a night of worship. We're just going to get into his presence. Don't miss out on what God is doing. So as we close tonight, how are you doing? The vital signs we've talked about. How are you doing? Are you okay? Where where are you at on the scale? How do you feel? Are you on the right track? God gave me a word for a friend of mine here over the summer. It was his birthday, and uh, we happened to be with him, and and, uh, he's 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 a pastor's son as I am, and God gave me a word for him. Because in his life, and, and as a pastor's son, it's something I can relate to very much. Is you're always questioning him. I, I really felt the, a lot of pressure to live up to my father at a very early age. Right or wrong, not saying you put it on me, just something I felt was just pressure. And so there's always this question of am I, um, am I on schedule? Am I in the right timing? Am I behind in my head? And God gave me a word for this uh, friend of mine and just said, you're right on track. 
You're not behind. Some people might look at your life and say you're behind, but God said you're not behind. You're not ahead. You're right where God wants you. Where are you at in your life? Are you right on track? Or have you been outpacing the will of God in your life? Or have you been the slow mover in traffic? Wrecks happening all around you, and you're just driving along. Where are you? Would you stand with me today? How's the spirit level in your life? I want you to ask yourself these questions. I want you to begin to examine your life over the next couple of weeks. We'll we'll continue this uh, next week. We'll talk about our blood pressure. Uh, We'll talk about taking our temperature. uh, And I I really believe God wants to touch you. All right?